0: It's a tremendous pleasure for me to have the opportunity to, um, to preach during this series, The Journey. And uh, Dave has been walking us through special challenges for the church in the year 2016. I was reminded as we, um, as we celebrate Palm Sunday this year, that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus' own journey led him to Jerusalem, where he was celebrated one week and crucified the next. And just like his journey, ours is connected to the cross where we can obtain the ultimate victory. For Christians until our race is complete, Christ has given us a variety of tools to walk in that victory and to help us along our journey, and one of them is fasting. Fasting in scripture is revealed as something that's connected with seeking special help from God, from seeking his will, his will. Um, It's associated with healing the sick, overcoming temptation, defeating demonic strongholds, and ultimately it's used with the God-given tool of prayer. Today, as we look into our passage in Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7, we're going to see what God considers to be a true fast. So let's read. And this is the word of the Lord. Is not this the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we desperately seek for your will to be done today. I pray that Ears are unclogged from the world so that we can hear from you, and that our hearts are like clay in your hands. God, please teach us what a true fast is in your sight. We love you so much, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. I think it's appropriate to set the foundation for where we find ourselves. And so going back to verse 1 in chapter 58, God is actually confronting Um, the nation of Israel. Um, He's confronting them with their sins. He says that they have many transgressions. And so he's confronting them specifically because they had taken uh, a spiritual matter and turned it into a human matter, into an earthly matter. And uh, specifically with fasting, they were no longer fasting for spiritual purposes. They were fasting only for themselves. And so he says, in uh, verse, verse 2, he says, you, you seek me daily and you act like you want to delight to know my ways as if you're a nation that did righteousness. It did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And yet, he says, they are a nation that's filled with unrighteousness. He goes on that the people were actually asking God's que- God a question or a number of questions God, here we are, we're doing this thing that you've told us that we need to do to get connected with you. We're we're fasting, and so we have fasted, and you see it not. Why have we humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? And so, um, God actually answered answered these questions, going on into the latter half of verse 3 and verse 4, is that they weren't seeking God's pleasure, they were seeking their own pleasure, And they were oppressing their workers. The fasting that they were doing led to quarreling and to fighting. They hit people with a wicked fist. And God said, fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. They had taken something spiritual and turned it into something worldly. But whenever you study fasting and you study ultimately the the other tools that God has given us, there's this one theme that arises above the rest. If you want to see spiritual results, you have to do spiritual things. Amen? If you want to see spiritual results, you have to do spiritual things. When I was 22, the Lord, His Spirit, began to lead me into my first fast. And um, He led me specifically to a book that's called Fasting Can Change Your Life. It's written by Elmer Towns, and in the book, uh, it's basically a, a Q&A between uh, Elmer and a number of Christian leaders who have fasted and the results that they've seen. The first one in the book is Jerry Falwell, and this is the first story of fasting that I encountered whenever the Lord's Spirit was drawing me into my first fast. And so um, Jerry, he fasted for a number of things. Um, if, you did, if you don't know who Jerry is, real quick, he's the, uh, he's the, the founding pastor of Thomas Road, um, Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia, and he's also uh, the founder of Liberty University. And so um, he he led his congregation to fast. He led uh, specific uh, fast for specific people for healing. And uh, but it was just a couple of fasts that really caught my attention that I want to share with you today. In 1991, Jerry's University, <laughs> as most people call it, um, Jerry's University had come to the point where they are a hundred and ten million dollars in debt. A hundred and ten million dollars. Okay, if you're like me, you can't even fathom how much money that is, okay? But it was a very dangerous point, and they were about to lose their accreditation. So he says that he stepped away from the more majority, and he gave everything to the university. And from, the, from 1991 to 1996, he said, I practice fasting... And prayer as never before in my personal life, for five years, he was practicing prayer and fasting, and he says that, amazingly, that after five years, the debt of 110 million dollars had been reduced by over 70 million dollars. That's a spiritual result. Only God can do that. Only God can do something that tremendous. But in the summer of 1996, uh, there was still, you know, a notable sum of debt. And so he began to feel God's spirit to call him into the, the most difficult fast that we would see in Scripture, which is a 40-day strict fast, only water. And um, he wanted to fast, and he wanted to ask God for money to take care of the university, but God told him no. He says, in this fast, I only want you to focus on me. I want you to develop your relationship with me. I simply just want you to get to know me better. And so at the end of 40 days, um, God impressed upon him that he could close down the fast, but God had not given him an answer to the money situation. And they were in a dire situation where they were about to lose their accreditation. After resuming his diet for 25 days... The Lord confirmed that he said, now, Jerry, now you can ask me for money. And so Jerry went into another 40-day fast. So in the summer of 1996, out of 105 days in the summer, Jerry Falwell fasted 80 of them. And one of the most tremendous results that he says that occurred at the end of that fast, he said... We received a cash gift large enough to pay off our long term mortgage debt. Only God can do something so tremendous. If you want to see spiritual results, you have to do spiritual things. So, you know, let's consider them. I I got a question for you then. If if, if fasting, if God reveals to us that fasting um, is an effective way to get his attention, and that he, he responds to that. Ultimately the question becomes for a church. This one thing. Can you imagine a church. That did spiritual things for the right reasons. Let that sink in for a second. Can you imagine a church. That devoted their lives to prayer. To prayer. To see lost people saved. To see An internal destination changed in the moment because they encountered the gospel. Can you imagine a church that that was their heartbeat, that was their DNA? Can you imagine a church who an expression of of seeking God said, we're going to fast so that we can know God's will. We're surrendering our will to God so that he can lead us. To where he wants us to go. Can you imagine being part of a church that did spiritual things for the right reasons. And the tremendous results that would occur out of that. So let's unpackage a little bit then what a true fast is. Or what God considers a true fast. In verse 5, you know, a true fast is an expression of humility. Ultimately, we should be confessing sin in the midst of a humility. In the the midst of a fast. In verse 5, he poses the question. He says, is this the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? And so what God is pointing out in this moment, that Israel had taken something that was meant to be spiritual, something that was supposed to express humility, but he's saying it's only expressing humility on the outside. You're, you're clothing yourself in sackcloth. You're rubbing ashes on your body. And yet, that's not symbolic of what your heart is. You're seeking your own pleasure. You're, you're oppressing your workers. You're quarreling and you're fighting. That is not humble. That's not a godly fast. But Dan, or David said that whenever he fasted, he did it so that he would be able to express humility. In Daniel chapter 10... Whenever he was fasting, the Lord sent an angel and he said, because you humbled yourself to seek God's will, I've responded to you. God does desire to have humility to be produced in the lives of those who fast. But Israel, it was only taking place on the outside. But God also goes on, he says, the fast that I choose will loose the bonds of wickedness. It will undo the straps of the yoke. It will let the oppressed go free. It will break every yoke. When Israel heard these words, they would have been reminded of the literal leather bounds that would have been wrapped around them. They would have remembered the chains that was cast over them, that as they got pulled to the left or pulled to the right or got hooked to an oxen that was pulling them. They didn't have control of, them, of their own self, of their own uh, destination. They were a slave and they were enslaved to the Egyptians. They would have remembered that. But Jesus also uses the same language to clarify that these bonds can become spiritual. In Matthew 11:28 through30, he says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." In John chapter 8, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He clarifies in that same passage that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Paul uses the same language in Romans chapter 6. He says that you are not a slave to sin, or you should not be a slave to sin, but you should be obedient to righteousness. I have a chain link in my hand. In this link, no matter how much force I put into it, no matter how much of my own strength I use to break it, no matter how I contort it, no matter if I chew on it, I will not be able to break this chain. But with the right tool, chain link can be broken. Jesus has given us the tool of fasting so that the chains can be broken. If you consider for a second, even that your, one, your life might have one or a number of chains, Satan will use these chains just like a master uses to control a slave. If he wants you to go left, You'll go left. If he wants you to go right, you'll go right. He will make you be obedient to him. Slave or sin dominates. And the enemy uses it to bring us under obedience to sin. Jesus came to break the yoke. But if you can imagine for a second that if even your life, the chains in your life was represented by one link, just one. That our body at SNBC, can you imagine the weight of the chain links that add up when your chain, your chain and your chain and your chain and your chain and my chains, whenever they add up collectively, can you imagine the weight? And Satan will use this weight, wrap it around the church He'll make us indifferent to the lost. He'll make us apathetic about God's word. We'll no longer care about souls being saved. We'll no longer care about missions, about giving to missions, about living on mission. Because the chains that wrap us around make us a slave to everything other than Jesus Christ. And collectively, these sins and these chains at SNBC or any church in the world add up. And Jesus came to break the chains. But if you can imagine that the enemy will wrap these chains around a church body, that they won't serve other people, they don't love other people, they won't demonstrate that love to other people. And yet, when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us the ultimate victory. He gave us access to God on high, to eternal life, that we are no longer a slave to sin. Jesus defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the enemy. He defeated every chain that may chain us as human beings. The chains of apathy, the chains of lying, the chains of our tongues, the chains that, of grief that hold us down, the chains of being mean-spirited. The chains of sexual abuse, the chains of sexual immorality, the chains of, of not forgiving others, the chains that will continually hold us down. Jesus died on a cross so that those chains may be broken and be cast into, into the sea. Amen. Does the, God deserves that, doesn't he? He deserves your praise. He broke the chains. And he wants us to walk in that freedom. And fasting is a tool that God has given us whereby the chains may be broken. Amen. Amen. The fasting that God chooses also spurs us on to social action. That we demonstrate. you, you You know what gets me? People that say that they know God. They, they study God's word. But the one thing that they so often miss is that God is a God of action. That God loves people. And God wants to use us in demonstrating that love. Ultimately, Jesus demonstrated that love on the cross. But whenever, God, whenever we allow God to use us, he reproduces his heart inside of us. He makes his heart our own. He, he takes us and he molds us into the image of Christ. God wants to produce Christ-likeness inside of us, where our flesh and its passions and its lusts are crucified on the cross, and then we allow the fruit of the Spirit to be produced inside of us. God wants to replicate himself in your heart, and that's why he says that the fast that I choose will lead to us sharing our bread with the hungry, bringing the homeless poor into, our, into your house, that you will see the naked and you will cover them. Thank God for the community of faith. Thank God for every leader and every volunteer that served the homeless in Williamsburg this week in our own gym. Praise God for that. That is God's heartbeat. That's what churches should be consistently doing. That's what Christians should be consistently doing. It's taking care of the poor and the needy. Why? Because Jesus loves the poor and the needy. Amen? God will lead us. He will guide us to that. But again, the point is this, that whenever you study fasting, that if you want to see spiritual results, you have to do spiritual things. The second guy in the book that is interviewed by Emmer Towns is Al Henson. And um, he went to Liberty University, the seminary there, and then he went to plant Lighthouse Baptist Church. And he says uh, he went to Nashville to plant a church. And he says, when the church was two months old, I passed 25 acres on the interstate. And I believe that God would have us to have that, uh, that, that land. And so, he called the owner. And the guy told him, no, I'm going to give that property to my daughter when I die. A couple days later, Al called him again. And he got an emphatic, no, I'm not selling the property. So Al went. He prayed and he fasted for three days. God opened the door for him to go and talk to that person. And he just shared his his passion for reaching the lost people of Nashville. And he just said, don't give me an answer now, but just pray about it. Pray about it. And um, let me know what you think in a couple days. The next day, he got a phone call from the owner of the property who said this. The Lord spoke to me as I have never had him speak to me before. I know that God wants you to have this property. I know that God wants you to have this property. So this is what he said. The the property was valued at $175,000. And the owner said, if you come up with $29,000, I will loan you the other $71,000, which adds up to $100,000. And he said, the other $75,000, I'm going to give you. $75,000, I'm going to... For, I'm going to give that to you and forgive the debt. You don't owe me anything. Only God can do something like that. So he had 90 days to um, to raise the funds of $29,000. And with six days left, <laughs> they had only raised $5,000. <laughs> and uh, you, you can imagine uh, the anxiety that he may have been going through. But um, he said there was a God that didn't even go to his church, that had heard him speak on the radio, and and he called him up and said, hey, I want you to come meet with me, and I want to pray with you about this property. And so they did, and they prayed. The next day after their prayer, the guy calls him and says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to loan you the $24,000 that you need. I'm going to loan it to you without any interest, and on top of that, you have any amount of time to pay it back to me. There is no timeline on paying it back. Only God can do something like that. If you want to see spiritual results, you have to do spiritual things. And one of them is praying and fasting. Are you starting to get the picture yet? <laughs> I mean, just, just say amen if you're, if you're starting to get the picture yet. God has painted a picture for or a portrait uh, on a canvas in, this, in his word. And, and it's beautiful, but sometimes our nearsightedness doesn't allow us to see the picture. I'm praying that eyes are starting to open here about what God tells us that he's capable of doing if we seek his will. And so, you know, even, even Al clarified. He says, I, was, I would not want to leave the impression that I fasted to get the property. I was fasting to know the will of the Lord. And once I knew the will of God, I knew he would carry his will out. Amen. To that. And that's why we can bank on those spiritual results. And, and Isaiah goes on and he starts listing these things, starting at verse 8. We can read them. He says, Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, from the pointing the finger and speaking of wickedness, if you pour out yourself." out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Who would not want that? Who would not want their light to go breaking forth for the darkness to be pushed back? For the chains to be unbroken, to be used by God for social action, to serve others in the name of Jesus, to take the gospel to the lost, to see souls saved. Who would not want to be a part of that? The question is not necessarily, or it should not be, why don't we fast? The question is, why don't we fast more? Why don't we fast more? And if you would just take the time to walk through Scripture, to see the people that fasted, and then see how God responded to that, and ultimately the the spiritual results that God gives, it is inspiring that God loves us so tremendously that He would give us access to Himself because we do not deserve it. And when we express our humility through fasting, and conduct a true fast. God hears that, and God responds to that. The yearning inside of our hearts to know Him and to know His will, to know that we can follow Him and trust Him, and bring ourselves, our will, be submissive to the will of God. We can bank on that when God, we have the right relationship with God, that He will lead us to the still waters, that He'll lead us to the green pastures, And when we walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil. Because his rod and his staff, they will comfort us. He'll anoint our heads with oil. And prepare a feast for us in the midst of our enemy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. You know, that's what God does to those that follow him, that believe in him, that trust in him.
1: So once again, let's
0: just focus on what God is trying to communicate to us about fasting, about the spiritual tools that he gives us. The point. Bring that up one more time. If you want to see spiritual results, you have to do spiritual things. And so I pray that the Lord has spoken to you and that you'll use this time, that you'll utilize this time That you'll take advantage of this time because you have pastors here and you have deacons here. You have prayer warriors here that are waiting to pray for you. The chains that are coming to your mind right now. That you need prayer, that you need someone to come alongside you to pray with you. They are here and they're waiting. The Lord is waiting. Maybe it's an expression that you let your tears fall on the altar today. To let God know that you're serious about this chain being broken. You're ready to rise up. You're ready to allow Him to produce in you His light so it pushes back the darkness. You're ready to pray. You're ready to fast. You're ready to seek Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It starts today. Your journey, the obstacles that you face in your journey, can be broken. The mountains that you come into contact with can be cast into the sea. Don't wait. And if you've never come to know the ultimate victory that Jesus gave us on the cross, what are you waiting for? There is no good reason to wait. There's no good reason to hesitate. There's no good reason for Christians to wait, to, to say, I'm going to pursue God later. I've got to get something right in my life. No, He's given us access to victory now. So I'm praying That we will all take advantage of how God is communicating to us. And may God be glorified in your response today.
1: I hope that the Spirit has stirred something in your soul today. There's something powerful that most church members never experience about fasting. It unleashes the power of God. Some of you need your chains shattered this morning. Some of you need to initiate a relationship with Jesus Christ and some of you have no clue what that means. And we want to encourage you to come and ask questions so we can lead you to make the decision for yourself. But we want to call you to fast. In fact, I want to call you to fast for 30 days. I'm not going to tell you how. Um, I'm going to leave that between you and the Holy Spirit. But you can fast from something. You know, whether it's each day or, you know, of of the week you fast from caffeine or you fast from television or you fast from Facebook or whatever it is that you fast. And when you long for those things, you know, as we fast from food, that hunger pangs that we have are to humble us and get us to the throne of God and say, God, not only do I need you right now to overcome what I'm feeling physically, but God, I'm coming before you because I know that I can't set myself free i can't set the captives free but only you can and we evoke his power we evoke his uh, desire to set captives free and so i want you to consider a fast for the next 30 days but let me give you some specifics that we want you to pray for we want you to pray for people to be set free from the bondage of sin and death but we want you to pray for the future of this church As you know, we've put together a team to go and look to say, God, what is the next step for this body of believers? Is it a building? Is it a piece of property? What is it? We want you to pray for that team. Uh, I, I and the elders have challenged them that it is a spiritual matter, that the way that they will find God's next step is through prayer and fasting. And all of us need to participate in that to say, God, what is it that you have for this local body of believers? It's only up to him. It can't be about our desires. It has to be about his desires. And we need to say, God, we are asking you together corporately that you would reveal that to this team. This is a spiritual matter. Let's let God reveal what the next step is so that we can be a church that is making God's glory known here in this town. And everywhere we go, we've got a team going to Africa in a couple weeks that we prayed for in the first service, that we can make God's glory known. When you look at conservative churches in this town, there aren't a whole lot. We want to be a body of believers who is so unified to make God's glory known everywhere that we go that God continues to transform lives. And every week we're seeing chains be set free. And so as we come to this time of invitation, I'm going to ask that you just, as we're singing this last song, that you allow God to lead you into what it is that he wants you to do. Uh, and that you make a commitment to fasting. Some of you, maybe what you need to do is you need to initiate this relationship with Christ. We keep talking about here that you're really not sure about so that you can ask some change set free. Some of you might need to come to have people pray over you and to come alongside of you to set you free from the bondage of sin and death. Jesus is no longer dead. He's alive. And that changes everything me close us in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for your goodness. We are so grateful that you have set us free, but God, we confess that we put the chains back on ourselves and we allow the enemy to defeat us over and over and over. And so God, I pray that you would so transform our lives that as we stay in the word, as we spend time in prayer and fasting, God, maybe for the first time that you would unleash something inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit that continues to transform our lives. Lord, we thank you for those that you're bringing to this body of believers and that you are continuing continuing to call us together as one body for your glory. God, we pray that we would listen to what it is that you have for us, Lord, that we would humbly submit to your will and lay down all of our own personal desires so that you can be glorified. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.